Hey guys, Jeff here. We got a great episode for you this week. I had Brandon Pope on, as in Brandon Pope TV. He's an award-winning journalist and anchor, uh, TV host, and, you know, out of the Chicago area. He's a lifelong Buckeyes fan. We really had a, a great time. I uh, want to thank him for his uh, generous time and effort that he donated to the show. Things went really well. We really hit it off and had some put out some great content here. Uh, we discussed you know, his background. We discussed his work with the National Association of Black Journalists, which is super important. We discussed the Justin Fields situation, the plight of the black quarterback. We discussed the future of our 2021 High <laughs> State Buckeyes. And then we you know kind of switch gears and we talk about the future of the Black Panther franchise. It was really great. Giant thank you to him for coming on the show. We had a great time, and a special thanks to Stephen Gillespie for putting this together, and of course my crew at the Off the Ball Network for you know getting me to this point and supporting me the whole way. Had a lot of fun, as you can tell. This is a really important one to me, and I think you're going to like it. Enjoy the show, everyone. Welcome back to Jeff Needs Sports, everyone, an official Off the Ball Network production. As always, we hope you're doing well, and we appreciate all of you. Uh, we have a great show for you today. It's personally one of my most anticipated shows of all time. I get to discuss uh, my beloved Buckeyes, uh, some NFL draft controversy, the MCU, all in one show. And I have an absolutely terrific guest to help me do it tonight, award-winning reporter, anchor, TV host, Brandon Pope. Brandon, welcome to the show, and how are you doing today, sir? Hey, it's great to be here with you, man. I mean, when I got the message that, you know, you wanted to talk some Buckeye football, I'm like, <laughs> oh, my gosh, finally somebody wants to talk about Buckeye football with me. I mean, here in Chicago, we got Buckeye fans, but not a bunch of them. Yeah, yeah, you found the right guy. You know, in the fall, I do an actual, you know, dedicated Buckeye podcast. Uh, there's a couple of us Buckeye guys on the network, but it's <laughs> – I, I was, you know, I was born a Buckeye, I was raised a Buckeye, I love the Buckeyes, and then, you know, so, you know, shout out to my friend Stephen Gillespie, a partner at Off the Ball Network. He discovered your content and realized that he didn't know what was going on. He's like, I don't know if it's your long lost brother or what, man, but you guys match up. Um, <laughs> he he actually, like full disclosure, he's a great interviewer too for breaking the game, by the way. A podcast and uh he's like he's like no he goes i just knew that you know it was perfect for you he's like and you say buckeyes like it, it, it's hard to like you said earlier before pre-show we, sure. we call it we call it the uh the pre-game warm-ups uh it's hard to stop talking when you get on the uh the oh, buckeyes man. podcast we were born into it it's a religion you know yes yes so uh before we get to that i want to like i know your fans and your listeners and your uh, viewers know you but let's get let's get to know uh uh, Brandon Pope a little bit. Um, first of all, uh, what all were you into these days? Because when I was reading your bio, you got you got a lot of things going on. Yeah, man, it's been it's been something. I'm I'm an entertainment arts and entertainment reporter and anchor over a CW26. So I get to talk to really cool people, um, celebrities, and people that really do cool things in our community and stuff like that. So that's my main thing. You know, I've been in TV for what, six, seven years professionally, but I, I really my entire life has been trying to be on TV. Um, and now I'm into writing too. I write for Ebony Magazine and write for Revolt and YR Media, whether it's sports or entertainment, uh, some commentary with news and politics. 
I kind of dip into it all and some radio appearances too. So it's been fun, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, oops, sorry about that. When I was researching you, I found some really great stuff. You know that you did. Um, you've got some great interviews. Uh, you've done some great writing, which which is awesome uh, that you got going on. Um, there, there's you got so much. But I, just briefly, I want to touch on. Um, I saw that you were. Um, it's about the. I don't know much about this organization, but it was awesome when I was researching it. the NABJ. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, tell us yeah. a little bit about that because I, that is. I think this is. This is pretty cool what you're doing and really important. Yeah, it's something I'm passionate about. I wouldn't be where I am without NABJ. It's the National Association of Black Journalists. The main mission is just diversity in newsrooms and making sure that we have people telling stories uh, that are reflective of the communities they're covering, right? So um, it, it's been awesome for me. I am I was involved in college when I went to Ball State University, started the chapter there in college. I was president for three years, and then I get to Chicago. I'm becoming president of the Chicago chapter. Nationally, I'm the broadcast task force chair, and I'm just passionate about mentorship and bringing up the youth and bringing up the next generation because media is not easy, and there's not a handbook. Um, You can go to college for it, but you don't really learn what you need to be in media in college or a textbook, right? You need to hear from someone actually gone through the experiences so anytime yeah. i can do that that's what i'm all about yeah I, that, that's sorry about that that's so cool my mic might be a little hot it's so cool I, I was reading about that and it's something near and dear to my heart like anybody that's watching obviously personally it's it they, they may be like what but like uh, off the ball network is predominantly a minority uh network it's minority owned network uh, that means a lot to us, uh, that, you know, and we, we get, we get, you know, what you're, what you're talking about and things aren't, you know, not to get too deep into it, but it's not an even playing field. And yeah. there are, there are, um, you know, hoops to jump through and stuff and, and ways to do that. And I, I just think that's an awesome thing that you're doing and that's really important. And you're, you know, you're leaving something behind that's even, even greater. So uh, I think that's really cool. Before we get into the fun stuff, I just wanted to touch on that, that I think that's awesome that you do I that. I appreciate that. Thank you for touching on it, man. Yeah. Also, I also, I'm, I'm, I do a podcast as well. I do a, a, a bachelor podcast, the bachelor nation. Okay. Uh, two bros in a rose. We talk about the franchise. So <laughs> that's awesome. I, I'm all over the place, man. <laughs> no, no. Hey, it's great. I, I get it. I mean, you know, I'm a, uh, a carpenter slash maintenance man by day and a podcaster and a live, like you got a lot of, you know, you're, you're way better at, it, but I'm just saying, I get it. You got a lot, got a lot of irons in the front. That's awesome, man. I have to look that up. I see it's just, you got so many layers, uh, you know, what a, so many layers to you. So I got a couple, uh, questions about your, uh, professional life and then we'll get into the, we'll get into the sports stuff. I swear. Um, I just wonder, like you've done a lot of great interviews. When I go back, some of the recent stuff you did is just it, it blows my mind. You've actually interviewed some of the some of my favorite all time people, which is which is crazy. Uh, I'll get to one in particular here in a second, but I wondered was there was there the one interview that you did or anything that happened in your professional career in that moment you knew like I can do this, like I, I'm cut out for this. I, I'm you know I don't have any doubts anymore. I'm going to trudge forward like. I'm verified. What a great question. Thank yeah. you. That um, that might be mine right there. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that was great because usually the question, that's the tough question, is like, what's your favorite interview you've done? Yeah. That one's better because it's like, what is the pivotal one where you knew 
yeah. confirm something for you. For me, I did an interview with Tamron Hall. She's got she used to be a big time anchor uh, locally, and then she had the NBC stuff and Today Show. Now she's got her own show on different networks wherever you uh, wherever you live. You can check your local listings. So she came to Chicago, and we rolled out the welcome mat, and I had a whole camera crew for our station, and the pressure was on. <laughs> this interview had to be nailed because this is a station product. The show was going to premiere on our station. We're pushing it hard. And Tamron Hall's a big name. Yes. One-on-one. Um, I was nervous. I get nervous for a lot of interviews, but I was nervous for this one because every a lot was riding on this, right? It was a chance to show and prove that I can do this, and also it would be confirmation for myself. Can I do this? And let me tell you, man, the conversation flowed. I was nervous going in because people kept saying, oh, you should ask this. You should ask this. You need to ask this. And my head is spinning like, ah, <laughs> I'm going to forget all of that. And in the moment, well, she's a great person, first of all, easy to talk to, which helped me. She also surprisingly knew of me already from Twitter, which I was like, what? She's like, Brandon Pope from Twitter. I'm like, oh, what? Okay. That's shocking. Wow. Um, but I was amazed at the fact we could just talk have a conversation, and she left it speaking highly of me and saying thank you for the interview. Um, and I got a lot of compliments, and that kind of let me know right then and there, okay, this is something I can do. I conquered my fears, conquered the nerves, and was able to really put together a really substantial piece of content and a really great interview with a really great person where I think people learn something new about her that they never had learned before, or a few new things. Um, that for me was the moment where it's like, all right, I can do this thing. There's no, you know, hill that's too high for me to climb at that point. Uh, and I'm always, I'm always going to remember that one because that was the one where I was, I, I was nervous for weeks, man. The day of, whew, I, the pressure was just in that. So that Cameron Hall, that's the one. That's that's exactly the story I was looking for. Everybody has one, um, and, and that that really helps me. I'm not going to lie to anybody. I'm, you know, I'm kind of cheating here and taking some taking some notes, you know, from a, from a true professional. Uh, that makes me feel really good. And and just you know, guys like you that you interview that make you feel comfortable and and they 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 give back. It it really helps us, and um, that, that's awesome. So I do have one more question about a different interview. Uh, you got to interview Anthony Mackie recently. Yeah. Um, I, I I could do a whole podcast on that because of my love for Anthony Mackie for 20 <laughs> years. Uh, yeah. And so all I want to know is, you know, whether you lie or not, is, is he as awesome as I think he is? Because that was a great interview. Thank you. He's a really cool guy. Um, oh, man, that's awesome. Interviews are always best when the person is cool and their energy is good. And I've had interviews where it's not that way, right? Where celebrities sometimes aren't what you would hope they would be. Yeah. And Anthony Mackie is a very cool down to earth guy who tells it like it is. And we're able to just have a person to person conversation. You don't feel like you're talking to a celebrity when you're talking to Anthony Mackie. You feel yeah. like you're talking to an everyday guy you would run into down the street or one of your boys, right? So uh, fantastic dude. I loved it. I'm, I'm happy for him. So happy for him that he's in the spotlight and having his moment after more than 20 years in this acting game. It's got to feel great for him. 
Yeah, not to do an Anthony Mackey podcast, but um, when when I when he first appeared as Falcon years ago, I, I knew what was probably going to come, and I've seen it happen. And I could not have been like I was like. That's my guy. This I this is I know where that I want this to go. And it's going to work out. He's going to own every scene he's in, and I'm so happy for him. The interview was awesome because you like he was so, you know, he was so real. He's not guarded. He doesn't hide things, which I think is a part of today's. I hope it's becoming a part of today's culture to where these these stars, especially uh, you know black stars, don't feel like they have to like take you know to protect themselves or whatever and he they can say what they want and i, I thought it was an awesome interview and it, it was cool and i'm just i'm just so happy that uh that he is the guy that i always imagined he would be so yeah uh, and you know i'll add you know it's probably it's one reason why i think it's important that you have um this push like nebj has for black media and people to have these jobs because i can guarantee anthony mackie probably felt uh, a level of comfortability opening up to me Yep. Then in a different level of comfortability than he probably would uh, someone who may have been white. Um, we're having a conversation on race. Yeah. Coming to Falcon Winter Soldier and what it meant for him as a black man to be Captain America. You know, the responses he gave me, I'm sure, were a little bit different than what he probably gave to any white reporters. So um, that ability for us to be able to kind of drop the veil and have those real authentic conversations, I think it's important. And it goes beyond just black and black. I mean, you could do that for. Latino and Latino or, you know, Asian and Asian, like, you know, those relationships, women and women, those relationships and those common backgrounds and experiences matter to really have some powerful conversations and good content, too. Oh, yeah, exactly. Well said. I wish I could talk about that for days. But unfortunately, uh, we got to move on to the Buckeyes. So, so first of all, you 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 obviously you live and you work in Chicago. You went to Ball State University. Um, so, where were you? Where were you born and raised to become a Buckeye fan? Yeah, born and raised, uh, born in Cleveland technically, but raised Cincinnati, Ohio. Okay. Moved to Richmond, Indiana, which is on the border of Ohio. Yep. So all my life, it's been Ohio State. Been. Buckeyes all the way. I wanted to go to Ohio State, um, but I, my family decided it probably was best for academics-wise that I go to a Ball State. Because um, if I went to Ohio State, I'm going to be honest, probably would not have done as well grade-wise. <laughs> would have been very focused on the athletics and, you know, uh, the, the pregame for the athletics. <laughs> no, I hear you. I Columbus. I, I totally get it. Um, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's I'm I'm the same way. So you know, born and bred. So uh, a couple things before we get on to you know the projection of the next Buckeye season. Um, mm. I love asking this question, and this is hard to pin down. You're you're you know not a not a good bit younger than me, but you're a younger man than I am. I want to I would like to know if you have a favorite Buckeye memory or a favorite Buckeye game or just something always like just it just lives like rent free in your head, you know, for life. hundred percent. Yeah. You know, it's any time we beat an SEC team. Oh, great answer. And especially at yeah. Alabama college football playoff game where Ezekiel Elliott runs, what was it? Eight, 70, 80 yards to the heart of the South as the, as the announcer called it. 85. 85 yards. That's right. Beautiful. And I, the reason why those moments stick out to me is because as any Ohio State fan is familiar with, people who aren't Ohio State fans talk a lot of mess before those games, especially if it's an SEC team. Oh, we're too slow. 
oh, the Big Ten, Ohio State, they can't keep up. They're about to get run out of there. Um, it looked like the other way around with that. So I just I love those moments and the sheer pride I felt in that moment. I remember being in a room of people who hate Ohio State. <laughs> and that happened. And I'm just like, ah, what? What? That was a special season, though. I mean, 20, oh, oh, the whole thing. It's beautiful. There's, there's nothing like it. Mine is, I, I can never decide. I'm, a, you know, like I said, I remember that kind of the same thing. The O2 championship, you know, never beat the best team ever. But that game right there, that game changed college football. It, you know, it did everything you just said. Plus, it honestly, in, in a negative way to, to us, uh, changed Alabama's offense. Uh, because they have not been the same since that game when they realized, like, oh, uh, we may need to score a few points and maybe look at quarterbacks a little different. Uh, yeah. Great game. You know, this past season's Clemson game, there's there's oh. nothing. I still, it still doesn't register with me what really happened that night. Um, there, there's it felt some, unreal, right? It felt really unreal. It's still, it's, yeah, it, I still haven't quite gathered in what happened, but it was awesome. There's several of them on there, but, but you're not wrong. I, I think that's a great answer. It's one of my favorite I've had so far because it's a, it, that was a big deal. I remember, like, uh, what was it, the 2010 Rose Bowl? Uh, we beat Oregon. Like, oh, Oregon's going to. I was just about to mention that one. I came in my head. Oregon's going to run you out of the building. Uh, you can't, you can't keep. And honestly, that game. It was close, but it really it, it wasn't that close. It wasn't. Like, it, it I think wasn't. we won by two scores. Yeah, um, had, or at least the score may have been closer than the game actually it, was. It, they couldn't escape on us. Their offense wasn't what it was supposed to be. That was a big one in my head. Um, yeah, there, there was a few. I remember those. Colin Cowherd said the day before the game. He said, "Oh yeah, Ohio State's going to get run out of the Rose Bowl. This they have no shot to beat Oregon." And I'm just like, "Really? Yeah." What? And we, we came in there and did our thing. Yeah, yeah. That was a great one. Validated things. So, you know what? That'll That's going to lead me on to my next question before we get on to your projection for the next season. So has has a high state actually reached the reload, not rebuild category that, that like Alabama and Clemson are in? Because we're at, we're at quite a few years of, of a juggernaut at this point. Yeah. Um, do you think we're there? Totally. I totally do. I think there's levels to it, too. And I think we've reached a new level to that. This season is going to be pivotal to decide that. But I think you have two <laughs> different chases that Ohio State's program has had. The first chase was proving that we are on Clemson's level or all out better than Clemson's level. We already we've complete we completed that chase. It's complete. Clemson is now the third. <laughs> The new chase is one and two, Ohio State and Alabama. I, I think it's fair to say Ohio State's leapfrog Clemson and that whole, you know, three-team race. So now the battle is proving you're on the level of Alabama. That's a tougher thing. We're in phase two. That chase for Bama is challenging. We just lost out on uh, this Tennessee linebacker transfer. I believe his name oh. is uh, Toa Toa, uh, something yep, like yep. that. Uh, they really needed that to shore up that linebacker core. Um, we've been able to get over Clemson and get recruits from Clemson and beat out Clemson many times for, for different things like that. But Bama, that's where we really get the competition. That's where we really start to get some pushback. So it feels like those are the two ones. Bama and Ohio State, 
This is the team that Ohio State is now competing against. Clemson, we've passed on, we've moved on. They're not a concern for us anymore. Um, and if you look at average recruiting rate ratings, Bama is always like one inch above Ohio State. We're always above Clemson. One inch above us is Bama. So the gap is closing. I think we are on that reload stage every year. You can bet Ohio State is going to have a talented group of first rounders, just like Alabama does. And I think Clemson's at that level as well. But time's going to tell. I feel like Clemson might slide this year, like record-wise. Yeah, this is a big year for all three teams. Uh, Alabama, another, another quarterback, which hey, they proved last year. They, they moved on from quarterbacks and did just fine. Um, yeah. Ohio State, the same deal. Um, and then Clemson, you know, we, we've seen Clemson's quarterback. He's obviously really, really good, but they're replacing a lot of other things too. Uh, we saw it with the, you know, the 2014-15 Buckeyes. Things aren't things don't always go how you think they will the next season. You got to take them as they go. So going into 2021, Buckeyes, uh, who, who's everybody? Want, everybody's going to ask the same question. Who's your starting quarterback? I mean, we know we know we've got one of the greatest receiving cores we've ever had, one of the best in the country. Um, mm -hmm. There's doubt at linebacker. I know we all know that, but there's nothing we can do until we see him on the field. Uh, defensive secondary. You know what? I'll, I might ask you about Seven Banks, um, but who's cool. the who's the quarterback going into next year? Man, I think it's C.J. Stroud. Feels like but, it. But I, I – who knows? At this point, there's reports out there that it's really – it truly is a three-horse race. Um, I think it's Stroud in the end. And, of course, that can change midseason as well. We've seen, you know, situations like with Barrett and, um, you know, 12-gauge uh, and stuff like that. So, it, who knows? I'm confident that whatever quarterback is in place, though, that they're going to have a good system around them. Because like you mentioned, we got oh. returning on offense, Olave and Garrett Wilson, right? These are two of the best receivers. Both projected last mock draft I saw, those early mock drafts, both projected first round by receivers. Um, probably the best pair of receivers in the country. Um, I assume. I assume, yeah. And then, you know, defensively, I'm assuming the Buckeyes will be better. They have to be. Um, you got the defensive line strengthened with Zach Harrison and Haskell Garrett. Um, but, yeah, at quarterback, I just think it's going to be plug and play. You got a big, big shoes to fill with Justin Fields, who might be the greatest Ohio State quarterback ever. That's big shoes to fill. So I, yeah. I think we can expect a drop-off at the quarterback position, but I don't think we're going to see a drop-off in terms of, like, Ohio State's still going to win the Big Ten. And yeah, we're going to be in the, in the playoffs. Yeah, it goes back to load conversation. So since you brought up Justin Fields, mm -hmm. uh, you work in Chicago. You're you know you're in tune um, with the the Chicago um, you know energy. Um, so <laughs> Justin Fields slides. However, we want to talk about. We'll have, we might have that conversation here in a second. Uh, Justin Fields goes to the Chicago Bears. I'll just say goes to the Chicago Bears. I won't say slides or whatever. Yeah. Um, just first of all, what is the what's the reaction of Chicago to Justin Fields? Uh, how how are they feeling about it, Bears fans? I think people are related because I think this is a pivotal pivotal off season for the Bears. They are losing the fan base. Um, the world losing the fan base, I should say. Ryan Pace as the GM and Matt Nagy as a coach. People had no confidence, especially in Pace after the Trubisky move, the statements he makes. And the moves he's made, like, 
you know, signing Andy Dalton to a $10 million contract and then saying he's quarterback number one. Like things like that don't inspire confidence. And even I was saying like, okay, go into this draft. He was like, well, the Bears draft up. I'm like, eh, will they? Will they grab a quarterback or will they just be average? Like they just feel like they were content to just kind of like roll with the punches and see what happens, right? So the the feeling of Bears fans right now in Chicago, they are elated because they don't, I don't I don't think they I don't think any Bears fan went into the night expecting to grab one of those four or five quarterbacks. I don't think I don't think any Bears fan expected that. This was a win for um, Ryan Pace in terms of his likability in Chicago. He's getting another shot, um, and I've seen people comment. This is the uh, Best moment in Chicago sports history since the Cubs won the World Series. Oh, I was, uh, I was hard to beat there for a second. Okay, that, that yeah, makes since the Cubs won sense. the World Series because the Bears wow. have not had a perennial quarterback. This is the most talented quarterback they've ever drafted. There's hope. There's excitement, and um, people feel really good right now. The big question now is going to be, when do you start him? That's the big debate. Do you just go right at right ahead and have him do it? Game one, or do you give him some time? I think he could beat out Andy Dalton in camp, but I think regardless, he needs to sit and give him some time to, you know, uh, learn the ropes. Because that first game, we got the NFL schedule out today, is the Rams. I don't like him against the Rams defense. His first game ever as a rookie. Ah, that's tough. Yeah, that, you're talking about one of the best teams next year in the Rams. Yeah, I think I think we go. You know what? You paid you paid Andy Dalton ten million dollars to do this. Let's let's let him take that hit. What I do like about it, you know, the, the Bears essentially gave up next year's number one. That's the biggest you know thing they gave up. But if if Justin Fields is as good as, and we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna roll with this, if he's as good as we thought he was for like I don't know the last five years of his life. It's a steal because next year there's no Justin Fields in the next quarterback's class. No disrespect to those guys, but Justin Fields is a to me is a generational talent, yeah. and for some reason, <laughs> uh, he 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 just kept sliding and sliding and sliding. Uh, you wrote a great article on it. Um, I wrote an article on it. Uh, the Justin Fields situation. Um, as an Ohio State fan, I watched. I think I watched every snap he took. Um, you know, I lived. I, I I never saw these chinks in the armor that other that these people saw in what March. I guess this all started in late February, and March. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we saw the we saw the knocks on Justin Field, and they and they did the usual, which I I, I recommend everybody go read uh, Brandon's article that he wrote about this because they did the usual. Uh, they brought up mental stuff because you can't quantify that you can't see it so they always bring up mental stuff like whether it's effort or whether it's can't read it the 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 new uh yeah the new running quarterback and they can't say that they don't say that anymore they say he can't read a defense like there's so many dog whistles that they use for these kids now to get their point across we know what they're saying mm-hmm. you know and so i just wonder um who who do you think benefited from the Justin Fields slander. I know who I think benefited. No, and I don't mean the Bears as far as him dropping. I mean like what's what was the purpose of it? Uh because I know ne- it never made sense to me. Maybe it did you. Maybe you know something <laughs> that I don't know, but I never yeah. I never understood what Justin Fields did wrong. Yeah, the slide never made sense to me. Um and I think it was a mixture of race and old tired tropes about black quarterbacks. 
but also the stigma around Ohio State and quarterbacks. Like I think Dwayne Haskins, uh, the big miss that he he was, I think may have had some people, some teams, some scouts a little hesitant, even though they're completely different quarterbacks and completely different systems. So I thought it was lazy for people to be like, well, he went to Ohio State. When it's like, well, okay, you got Mac Jones who went to Alabama. What's the last great Alabama quarterback? They're talking about replacing Tua already. <laughs> so, and he got benched several times in the season. So I, I didn't understand that. You can't tie a prospect to a school. If we did that, Joe Burrow doesn't get drafted as high as he did because LSU quarterbacks. What was the last like Flynn? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real quick, nobody, nobody compared Joe Burrow to uh, Jamarcus Russell. Why? I mean, what's if if that's what we're doing here? It's there. There. I mean, I saw a list the other day. Somebody somebody actually said, well, until you know, a high state quarterback does it. I'm not going to believe it. I'm like, what? Did, Justin Fields wasn't even born when Art Schleister was a quarterback. What? Right. This is nonsense. And you and, know, my Urban Meyer offense is so different than Ryan Day's offense. Like, it's, thank, like uh, it's like basic football knowledge to me. Yeah. And then, like anyone that watched that Sugar Bowl against Clemson, I, I question their football intellect if they can look me in the eye straight after seeing all those pro-level throws and this guy get hit in the ribs and still go out there and toss these dimes, six touchdowns torched this ACC defense. Not that that's an accomplishment with the ACC defense, but he torched Clemson. Yeah. And you're trying to tell me he, you, have ish, you have concerns about his throwing. You have concerns about his ability to, to throw in the pocket. You don't think he – like, I just I'm, – I'm, it didn't make any sense because the other thing that made me upset about this, I could go on about this for days. They did not do that hyper analysis on Trevor Lawrence. Nope. They did not do that hyper analysis on oh boy that as with at BYU. Mac Wilson. Uh, yeah. yeah. Mac Wilson, sorry. And if you go back and look at the games, especially Trevor Lawrence, this is my big hot take. Trevor Lawrence peaked <laughs> his what freshman year? After that, the boy got blown out in two straight college football playoff appearances. Didn't look great in either of them. You look at the regular season games, he had moments for sure where it's like, yo, Trevor Lawrence is good. But he had moments too where if you want to nitpick, you can be like, oh, I don't know about his ability to, to throw in the pocket. I don't even know. It's very accurate. Like they could have done all of that with Trevor Lawrence. And chose <laughs> The BYU thing, the guy out of BYU rising over him, that was the ultimate just slap of disrespect. He played Coastal Carolina and lost. That was the toughest game. And you're mad that Justin Fields struggled against Northwestern's defense, a good defense with two corners that were drafted in the first round, and they had COVID stuff with offensive linemen out. You're mad at Justin Fields for struggling against a good defense, but the kid that lost to Coastal Carolina, he's fine. He's fine. Yeah. 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 I, and I've done shows about this, but like, you know, Field, Fields put up uh, almost 400 yards and four touchdowns on Indiana, and it was a bad game. And, and he went to the national championship. And, and it, yeah, we know. And it was always weird to me because they just, the, the other guys, they were like, nope, they're, this is where they're set. Like now it's about when they started the Mac Jones talk is when I, that's when I wrote the article because I'm like, this is, this is out of control. Um, and then what, what really bothered me, you know, not to, you know, I don't want to get you in trouble with the media, but when the whole thing with Orlovsky and, um, and Pat went down in Indiana and all that false, 
false talk and things they put out there in the they just put it in the air and then they made people debate about it and they got but none of it was real or founded that was when i was really like oh we're we're still at you know that that's where we're still at uh with these guys you know it was irresponsible uh, it was very irresponsible thank you. out there especially given how black quarterbacks have been talked about and the tropes yeah. of black quarterbacks i still remember them saying lamar jackson should play receiver yeah <laughs> and, and we're mad we're mad that he wouldn't try out for receiver like he was like he was a fool like okay so lamar jackson like he wouldn't try out for receiver and they're like oh w- w- you know what a you know, what a joke. He's messing up, blah, 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 blah. Um, that things like that, because I'm old enough. And, you know, to be honest, I still, I can like remember, uh, the Warren moon days and, mm-hmm. and, and, and guys like that. And as, and so many, I could name so many college quarterbacks, black college quarterbacks, for being honest, that didn't, that didn't get a chance that I watched. And I'm like, I don't know this. I, I don't, I don't understand the translation here. And the fact that it just hasn't, it has not evolved like people think it's evolved. And and to me, I, I hope, you know, for Chicago, I hope Justin Fields is everything. And the the one last thing I'll say, and I say this all the time, yes, Justin Fields fell. Everybody says, well, he still he, – he probably fell to a better situation. That's fine, but not for his bank account. There's about a $10 million difference between Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields' guaranteed mm-hmm. money. So I'm not saying money's everything, but when when people say, well, he's you know, it worked out better for him, I'm like, that's for you to say. I, I don't not, – not for Justin Fields. Yeah. And I'll add this, too, with Justin Fields in Chicago. I, another reason why it was a big deal was because there was this feeling from the fan base, especially black fans, that the Bears drafted Mitch Trubisky over Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson because of the black quarterback thing. Yeah. When anyone could have told you – I feel like anybody – that Mahomes and Watson were better than Trubisky. I mean, Watson was Watson was obvious. Like to me, it's as obvious as like Fields is as obvious as Watson. Like the talent yeah. explodes, and that and I'm glad you brought that up because I'm not in touch with the you know with each fan base, obviously. But that question's been in my head with mm-hmm. with Chicago that if it matters, I'm, I don't know. You know, I love the city. I've been there quite a few times. I have my honeymoon there, but I don't really have a great feel on this. So I'm, I'm, I really appreciate you bringing that up because it's very- in the air. It's one of those things that's in the air a lot. And I think there's there's been rumors about the ownership group of the owners of the family that owns the Bears about their feelings about having a black quarterback. Um, all that stuff played in, and you get reports from Tribune that Case didn't even take a meeting with Deshaun Watson or Mahomes. Like he took Trubisky out to dinner. And didn't do that for the others. It all that stuff played into this feeling of like, wow, the Bears are just like committed to not getting a black quarterback. Them getting Justin Fields was also a big deal in that regard. Oh, I'm, I'm wondering about that. And and another thing I'll say on this, like, I because I, I love this subject. You know, I don't. If we drag on a little bit on this, I think it's important. What I also don't like, and you brought this up in your article, because you know you're you're better writer than I am but is the fact that unfairly I I totally believe in Justin Fields and and my evaluation of him and that he'll be fine but it's still unfair because we just we just saw um the kid that went to the New York Jets who um, I'm sorry I apologize I just got traded um oh you're talking about Sam Darnold yeah Sam Darnold so what we saw Sam Darnold do we saw him go for three years and things didn't go great and all we heard was he's got to get out of there. They're not helping him. 
Um, it's not his fault and all that. And I, I don't know that that's true or not. This is not about Sam Darnold. It's not his, you know, this part of it isn't his reasoning. But w- when you say Chicago, maybe they take uh, Trubisky over Mahomes. Well, when it's Trubisky, it's like, well, he's had different coaches and all this. If Mahomes fails, it's, well, we told you. If And and that's not fair. Like, it's the same with Justin Fields. Dwayne Haskins went through it in Washington. I, I don't think that he was ready for the NFL, but mm-hmm. also there was not the talk of, well, it's the offensive coordinator. They're not helping him. They're not drafting this and that. Him, it was – he's a bust. He played for High State, we told you, and he's out. As to where mm-hmm. Sam Darnold goes to Carolina now, and they're like, ah, really pulling for the kid. He's finally going to – in a good situation. <laughs> yeah. and, and Justin Fields doesn't get that fallback. You know, he does not have that safety net. Uh, no, you know, and that goes for, I mean, Lamar Jackson's probably like Lamar Jackson is walking a tightrope. You know, you know, we, we all know that it's uh, the unsaid thing. And it, it's so bothersome this many years later that these guys have this undue pressure and this extra weight on them to play with that they, they just don't get the option of failure that it just, you're, you're, you're just typical prototype. Yeah quote-unquote pocket quarterback gets uh the opportunity know, to fail is not there for black that, quarterbacks. you said you, you. you've you've laid it out really well yeah, yeah it, it's something i mean i know it's crazy everybody looks like it's a white guy from the middle of ohio what does he know about this but i can't be a football analyst for all these years and and if you just look at things you know just with a i want just a human eye i don't even say you don't have to be open-minded to watch football and know how good a guy is and i've just seen it for so many years these you know it's the dog whistles and just the little things everybody says and it's just constant 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 and i just question how knowledgeable these people actually are because with the sam darnold thing i covered notre dame football back when sam darnold was at usc and i remember watching i was right there great seat for it Sam Darnold throw what three interceptions against Notre Dame? You know, no shade Notre Dame, but hey, you ain't really you know on that level. Uh, USC quarterbacks, if we want to talk about track record, oh my gosh, <laughs> they ain't really have a great track record. And that was the last time USC, I guess, was a, was good. But you know, we saw then that USC team played Ohio State and got destroyed as well. Like Sam Darnold threw what four picks against uh, the Buckeyes secondary. So and it, that game wasn't even close. I said that year. I said he played against he played against Bosa, and I said uh, that's an NFL that's an NFL pass rusher. Uh, every team's got one of not maybe they don't have one of Bosa, but they got really 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 good ones. And I'm like, I I, I didn't even I was really hard on him coming at, you know out of that after that game probably more than I should. I, I had him dropped way down. And looking back, I'm like, well, he's not. And then. You know, last year he has that one great throw against uh, San Francisco, and everybody's like, "Ah, oh, there, there's the, there's the potential." Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to step on that, but I just you're I, right. Every time I everyone's get it, obsessed with like the zippy Mahomes like yeah. throw now, which is why old BYU kid got jumped because they just saw, oh, he can do that little throw thing with the sidearm. That's so cool. All right, but Mahomes <laughs> has other skills than just yeah. that one trick, right? Like. Uh, I bet you a lot of quarterbacks can do that trick. I bet you Phillip Rivers could do that trick. I bet like it's it, it reminds me of like um in basketball with Steph Curry. Not everybody's Steph Curry. Some right. people can shoot those long range threes and make them, but they're not gonna hit them as many times as Steph's gonna make them, right? And they don't have the skill set. 
They got Trey Young out here with, with Atlanta. You got Damian Lillard. Everyone tries to compare. And there's no comparison. It's not <laughs> Steph Curry is Steph Curry. Mahomes is Mahomes. No one's touching that. Yeah, that's what I said. Don't, don't compare yourself to those guys. Like, yeah. throw you got to throw out the outliers. Uh, there's there's not a lot of Tom Brady's. I mean, that's that's a rare thing. There's not a lot of Mahomes. Try to find in the middle and then be you know sensible about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, and build around them. Give them support. I mean, that's oh, thank you. Yeah, it, I we give we put too much on. Well, the quarterback goes there. If they're bad, then he was terrible. Like it's 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 a joke, and it's also a way for coaches to keep their job. Like. Oh, I'll just uh, you know, like Darnold, like uh, we'll just blame it on him, and we'll get another year out of this. There's so many tricks and things, and yes, the quarterback is important, but you've got to build a system, and you've got to you've got to put the right people in place. There's there's so many things that go into it, other than just whether he's terrible or not. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, yeah. the shelf life for these kids is shorter and shorter. Used to be a time yes. where you gave a quarterback time to develop and grow, even if they sucked the first two years, like. Peyton Manning did, but then they become Peyton Manning. But yep. they don't even allow that time anymore for these quarterbacks to grow. Remember uh, with Arizona, uh, Josh Rosen. They drafted oh. Josh Rosen. Then we had one season. We were like, ah, we don't like it. Let's go. Well, <laughs> Jared, Jared Goff went down that road. Like yeah. I remember Jeff Fisher was like, no, Jared Goff can't play NFL football. He wasn't only even on the team. And he was a you know first round draft or number one draft pick. I think he and might. Jared Goff did suck that first year. Yeah, absolutely. But once McVay came in, yep. Look like at the lock in the keys. Yeah, you know, That's system matters. Coaching matters. What you have around them matters. And we can't just expect a kid to come in and be the savior for a team. They don't have the resources for it. It's ridiculous. Yeah. What well, like one one <laughs> one last uh, one last comment on. Uh, you know, that I was get with fields and other arguments like, well, yeah, I'd be good too. If I had this great team and these receivers running downfield, I'm like, well, what was Fields supposed to do? Check down to the tight end instead of throwing. I mean, if you watch that, if you watch the playoff game, like what was he, was he supposed to check down to sermon to prove that. And he made great reads. The dude it, threw check downs all the time. The, I hated the read comment. Oh, he doesn't. The, the complaint that he only goes to his. He only goes to the read. Yeah, and I'm like, wait a sec. That's what you're supposed to do. Uh, <laughs> but also, he does go through reads. And the advanced metrics show he would go to his second or third read more than Lawrence and Wilson did. Yeah, I did a lot of research last year, 2000 or the 2019 season, about his air yards, and he was one of the best. He's one of the most best efficient quarterbacks. In it was un, his stats were all, only him and Burrow were the only two that were in the stratosphere uh, of what they were doing. I believe at one point. Uh, like most of the way through the season, maybe the whole season fields was only like, it was something crazy, like five completions per touchdown or maybe less. It was, mm -hmm. he was off the charts with that stuff. But once again, you know, you got to dig and dig or we don't, but you know, they dig and dig and dig and find, you know, false narratives and whatever. So basically what I'm saying is um, Chicago, I hope it works out. I'm happy for you. Um, I'm with Steven. The Bears might be my second favorite team now. And that's not because I'm just an Ohio State homer, because I'm not like that. But yeah. Fields, I'm really rooting for Fields. Who's uh, your NFL team usually? I'm a Dolphins fan. Interesting. But I'm not an insane NFL fan. Um, I do like them. 
and not, not like I'm the Buckeyes. I always tell everybody I don't have the energy for Saturday and Sunday. Um, like last year was a great year for the Dolphins, and I was disappointed, but I just enjoy the game, and I try to be more of an analyst. So when I do my podcast and stuff, I don't sound like a crazy person. Um, I kind of I kind of go with teams, systems, coaches, players, whatever I – but it's it's actually a little more enjoyable that way. Um, similar, I'm a, I'm a Bulls fan too. So what was nice about it stinks that the Bulls aren't great for, mm. for a while, but what's nice is I don't, I don't have to stress out about the Bulls either. I can just watch the league, um, mm. you know, plus being in a podcast world, you know, I can't be, you know, I can't just wa- watch every game bias and be a lunatic. Like there's enough of that out there, but so, uh, yeah, I'm a dolphin. I feel about fan. the Cavaliers. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My wife's huge Cavaliers fan. I'm a huge LeBron James fan. I mean, that was a great run when he was there. Um, you know, an Ohio guy. Uh, mm-hmm. I can't say that. So I really followed him closely for all the, basically his entire career. So that's been Incredible. awesome. I Incredible. would say I've got root for him more than I did, except for when the, them and the Bulls had some pretty tight series there, which was really fun. The Derrick Rose? Yeah. yeah. Those, oh, yeah. Yeah. What, what could have been years is what I call those. <laughs> but I, I'm not mad. I'm glad. I'm happy for Derek now. It's been a, a, a tumultuous career, but you know, playing well for the Knicks, it's it's nice. Yeah, it's fun, and we've got a lot of Knicks fans in the network. So, uh, you know, I, I don't hate on anybody. It's just congrats sport. to your Knicks fans in the network. They are, they are having fun. They are really enjoying. <laughs> they're really enjoying the season. I've never talked Knicks this much in my life, but I'm happy to do it. I get it. Uh, they got to put up with me during the high state season. So there you go. <laughs> so. I don't have you for much longer, but I want to switch gears here because you're also a great uh, entertainment reporter and stuff. So uh, last week they announced uh, the sequel to Black Panther, which, you know, everybody's been waiting for. I consider it without a doubt one of the maybe the greatest superhero movie made. One of them, a really important movie, great movie. Um, Obviously, you know, we lost the star Chadwick Boseman, which was just you know, just a, just a tragedy in itself. So they announced finally, it's going to be released in summer of 2022. Um, you know, you, uh, you, you wrote a really, really nice article about continuing the legacy of the black Panther. And that's kind of what, that's kind of how I feel about it. And so, uh, if you don't mind, I, I got to talk about, uh, the, talk about this a little bit. I know you're, I know you're an MCU fan, but, uh, yeah. I, I really want to, um, kind of, you know, get your, take on this so yeah yeah, so essentially how do you personally um even before the announcement how did you want them to take on the sequel uh what was your you know if if you if you could direct the movie if you could produce the movie you know brandon pope productions how how would you have handled um you know t'challa's demise well the first thing i would have done i wouldn't have said flat out that we're not recasting the character I don't think Marvel needed to do that. Uh, like they jumped the gun and put themselves in a hole by doing that. That was a that was a bad idea. And it's not like Marvel to usually put themselves in a hole like that. It felt like it was an emotional reaction and not a logical one. Uh, when and I get why because when I got the Chadwick news as well, and I'm still hurt by it. Like you can see, I got I got him right here above me. Like he really embodied that role so well. But I don't think he can. I don't think he would want the character of T'Challa to die with him. I don't think he was that type of guy. When I hear him talk about the importance of playing T'Challa and what it meant, from the interviews I've listened to, I don't gather that he was like, "This is me. <laughs> this is this is my role." So if I'm doing the sequel, you said it in those five years, 
um, of the Thanos snap, the blip, as they call it, right? Yep. Um, within those five years, Black Panther is dusted. Let's assume that Shuri was not. They haven't really confirmed. So Shuri can kind of take over leadership or somebody else, whether it's Nakia or Peter Nyong'o's character who was introduced. They can play around with that. But I think what would be interesting in that time of the blip, and, and the Falcon and Winter Soldier kind of explored this whole how the world has changed in that time. Wakanda probably changed too. You probably had some people in Wakanda, some of these tribes that emerged and we saw in the, in the first movie that agreed with Killmonger, that probably think to themselves, this whole Black Panther system of having a king, you know, one guy. I, I like the system. That's, that's a good way. I like that. Yeah, this whole system, it's, it's a little outdated, huh? Maybe we should do something else. Maybe we should have democracy like America does, or, you know, expand borders, all that type of stuff. So I think those conversations, you bring that into the plot, where you have these, these tribes rising up to take power. And you have a really good opportunity to tell a great, like, Falcon and Winter Soldier-esque political thriller, espionage type of story within Wakanda about that conflict. Well, at the same time, if you want to insert a big-time villain, Dr. Doom. Dr. Doom can come in, be the big bad guy, Latvia, Laveria, and let's say that Wakanda and its tribes rise up and they defeat Dr. Doom and Laveria, and they say to themselves, you know what? We don't need a Black Panther. Look what we did by ourselves. All right, so that's your Black Panther too. What that does is set you up for the return of T'Challa in Black Panther 3, which is probably going to be in 10 years. It's going to be a long yeah. time. That gives Marvel time to recast the character, plenty of time. T'Challa comes back to a Wakanda that's changed. Literally, he has not changed, but the, but the world around him has, and they reject him as leader. They don't need a Black Panther. They don't need a king. At the same time, he needs this nation to come together in a new fight, and that new fight is against Namor and the, and the nation of Atlantis. Look, this is how I would play it. I don't think Black Panther 2 needs to kill off T'Challa or kill off the character. And I also feel like if you do so, it's kind of cheap. You're going to upset a lot of people. Um, it, it's just, it doesn't have to happen that way. And you can tell a great Thanos snap story. We've seen Marvel do this. And I feel like they should continue to do that. And the title, Wakanda Forever, to me, kind of hints that's where it's going. That they're going to tell some Wakanda stories, not the Chala story. I, that, okay, well, that's, the, that's the best option I've heard, man. That, that's true. I mean, I'll be honest. That's amazing. I'm, I'm reading that book. I'm reading the, <laughs> reading the Brandon book. It's version. based on a comic run. It's based and, a little bit on uh, Tony E.C. Coates' uh, comic. Yeah, that's yeah, ex yeah, exactly. Which is which is pretty good. Now, did you read? I I want to say it was. I think it was called The Man Without Fear, when T'Challa took over for Daredevil. Ooh, I have not read that one. Oh, so there's there's a there's a run where it's great. You know, T'Challa's you know going through some stuff. T'Challa goes to America, takes over for Daredevil because I believe Murdoch's in jail. Everybody can go check this out. So then that's when Surrey actually took over in the books as mm -hmm. Black Panther. And I'm like, this is built in. If they needed a way out, this is built in. But what what was great was then Black Panther was Daredevil, uh, which was so they're telling simultaneous stories. So I'm like. And Surrey, you know, I for, I 
apologize i forget her name the actress is so wonderful that i'm like right yeah yes thank you she can carry that so that was my easy way out for marvel because it's it's i think i don't want to confuse the 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 loss of chadwick with the loss of black panther yeah it's terrible but losing black panther is just another loss like you kind of touch on that in your story it's you know, there, there's no good way out of that. It's a, it's just a tragedy. And then I had this question that I put to you. So doesn't, th- isn't this what Black Panther needs to do recast to be the same as every other giant comic book franchise? I mean, Batman gets recast all the time. We have fun debates on who's the best Batman. Even Superman, they moved on. And Christopher Reeves was iconic. He was the guy. So imagine if they're like, no, we can't tell anymore. You know, I know the same thing didn't happen, but... And I'm with you on that. Like, I, I don't ever want to assume, but I think we all get a, a feeling from Chadwick that he would not have said, nope, that's the end of, I don't think he would have meant that at all because you said it best. I just, I'm just repeating it. He didn't play it as if it was about him, um, which is what made the character so great. So I think I ask you, don't they need to keep recasting it so we can build a forever franchise out of a character like this and not let it uh, disappear? Hundred percent. He's a new. He's a newer IP that, just on a business perspective, T'Challa and Black Panther is a new IP Disney has put forward, and it's probably their biggest. So at this point, from a merchandising perspective, you don't want to lose that. I think the cool thing, and you know, the, the movies they love toys, they love merchandising. For Black Panther too, you can have Shuri in a Black Panther costume and all kinds of stuff, right? For Black Panther 3, when T'Challa comes back, you have two Black Panthers, two Black Panther costumes. They're new, and you can tinker around and do all kinds of stuff. Maybe they both have three costumes in the movie. You can do so much with merchandising, but if you take T'Challa out, it goes beyond just the movies. That's the problem. You erase the movie character, that impacts what happens in the comics and how those stories are looked at. It impacts the animated shows that kids watch because they base a lot of those off of what's happening in the movies. Yes. Uh, my, my nephew, he's six years old. He watches these cartoons and the Black Panther they have in there is T'Challa. And we, how do I explain to him? Oh, yeah, I'm, you know, Chadwick Boseman died, so they got rid of your guy. That, that, that's not how it's done. Like you said, if we did that with other heroes, Christopher Reeve made. Superman, what he is. So if we when he dies, no more Clark Kent. That, that doesn't make any sense. We gotta we gotta think of passing the mantle down and giving more opportunity to other black actors. That's the other thing too. This is an opportunity for a black male actor in five or ten years to emerge and run with this thing, just like Anthony Mackie got a chance to do. <laughs> You nailed it right there. And it's, and we don't want to, it's, it's so, it's so hard to say, we, we understand how great uh, Chadwick was. There's no denying that and everything yeah. and everything. Yeah. Just, and, and, and it's not disrespect I, to him at all. This is no disrespect to him at all. No, exactly. But, it, but it is tough, but you think you, you also can't, you also can't think that he's an anomaly because that's almost disrespectful that you got to know that just like, I mean, Anthony Mackie's a great example. Look how, you know, that guy worked and did great work, really great work. And then, you know, I don't think when they cast him as Falcon, they were like, Oh, we're going to, he's going to be our captain America. We're going to run with the franchise. He just, you can't keep his talent down. He's so talented. So right. You know, and, and, and here's a note too. 
the casting of Anthony Mackie as Falcon happened uh, a year or two before Marvel officially made Falcon Captain America in the comics. So they were, they had no intention of making him Captain America when they cast him. Yeah. There's, no, there's no doubt. Yep. Yep. And, he, and, and, that, and so I I I think it's yeah. There's 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 an actor out there, and let's let's admit it. If if it goes wrong once, that really stinks. I saw it with Batman. I mean, we saw some terrible Batman over the years, but mm-hmm. you don't just. You don't stop. You know what I mean? You've got to, you got to, the franchise has to be bigger than, you know, than the sum of its parts, uh, essentially. So I'm and the looking, impact. There's too much impact there. I, I trust Kugler to handle this. He said it's a, like you, know, you said it actually. I read it from you, but it's the toughest job he's ever had. Uh, I totally, I have total faith in him. Uh, I think it's going to be great. Uh, and they did, they, when they built that, the Wakanda universe, the actors are so strong and they're so good. And let you, we know that we still have Michael B. Jordan out there. Um, you know, that's, you know what I mean? He's still, if anybody knows anything about the comics, Killmonger can do whatever he wants. So <laughs> I think there's a lot of ways to get around it and do it sensitively. Uh, so I think you, I think we can both honor Chadwick and, and honor black Panther and continue on with this great universe that they built. Um, and I, I believe he will. I really, I really have faith in him. But uh, your yeah. your your uh, version of it is wonderful, and I agree with that. Uh, unfortunately, we can't do a three hour uh, MCU podcast that I would like to, because um, you know that's that's how most of my podcasts. Oh goes. no, my internet dropped. Ugh. No, you're good. What? No, it's, you're here. It's just a blip. Am I back? I think I'm back. Yep, you're back. I think that was my bad. My internet dropped. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 no, 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 man. It, it, it just paused. I just, uh, it was a dramatic pause. That's what we call it in the business. That was just a, <laughs> a really cool dramatic pause. You were, you were in deep thought, bro. Um, so I got like one quick bonus question if you got time for one. Let's go. I got all the time you need, man. As, as a, as a, you know, amateur podcaster trying to get through this thing, interviewer, just uh, a piece of advice you would give to, podcasters creators in this kind of new world of you know always on uh, uh, essentially keep shooting i think it's easy to get discouraged when you create something and it doesn't get the traction you'd like it to get um the truth is it's tough to get traction on a lot of your content especially in an environment where people in the pandemic they decided we got time we're going to make content a lot of people got bored and said let me make a podcast <laughs> There's a lot of people who get the idea in their head, let's make a podcast, without actually understanding what makes a good podcast. So if you have a good product and you know it, keep shooting, keep putting the ball up, it's going to strike. But you have to be committed and consistent to doing so. Our Bachelor podcast we do, Two Bros in a Rose, been doing it for probably three or four years now. At least I've been with me being a part of it. It was not popular. It was not popular. It was not popular until this year. Fourth year in, we struck. We had a moment. We blew up. We built an audience. People were hitting us up on social media that we don't know who were like, oh, we listened to the podcast. We liked it. So you can't, that, that was three or four years of just throwing stuff into the void. Of course, we're marketing it and promoting it, but People, we weren't getting the audience we wanted, right? Eventually it happened. We were consistent. 
and they can hop in any episode and they're going to get the same thing. Fun riffs about the Bachelor franchise. Consistency is everything. If you have a bad shooting night, hey, you miss one or two, that's fine. Keep shooting. Man, that's that's awesome. It means a lot. It's like off the ball network. We have, you know, we've got up 12, 13 podcasts now, and that's essentially what we're doing. And and we we trust in it. You know, we're we're a solid group. Uh, that most importantly is our uh, you know relationships with each other. And we're always telling each other like, no man, that was a that was a great show. And um, and then there's always the one. You know, you'll. Ever, you know, you always start having doubts. That's just part of this business. Especially, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not trained like you. I don't, I don't have the, you know, the skill set. Just to be honest. But then you'll get that one random person that's that that reaches out and says, "I like your show," and you're like, "Okay, that's it." So I always say, like, I do the show. I do the show for that one person. That, that if that made their commute to work that day, you know better if if that if they if we connected on a level and i've met you know great relationships but that's um that that's that's awesome advice man i can see i can see why you do what you do um and i I know you're helping you know i I couldn't imagine how many more people than you are you know than myself but your positivity uh just for you to come on the show just I, i can't thank you enough uh to take time out of your day uh, to trust me, I always say that. I was like, to trust me to to do a show, and then I won't come on here and embarrass you. Um, I, I try to put some effort into it. I try to give you some fun topics, you know. That I appreciate it, man. Yeah, I definitely did some research and everything. Is you got to be careful because there's been times that they they, they try to get me. <laughs> I, I know it is tough. And, uh, I've had some right wing podcasts try to come come and sign me up so they can. Uh, Oh, bombard me or whatever. I'm like, ah, yeah, it's always always tough, mostly in this business. Um, you know, with, um, my biggest thing is reaching out to a female host or guest host. And I'm always like, I totally understand why you, you know, you have to do your research. And so to me, the biggest thing is to build the trust. I take, we take a lot of pride in our guests trusting us. We have a lot of return guests. We have a lot of guests that cross over to other other, um, you know, host and other shows. Uh, mm-hmm. so like, like I said, our, our, our trust that we build is more important than anything because, um, you know, we get, you know, wonderful, wonderful people like you to come on and join us and have these great conversations. Uh, it's a lot, it, it was a lot of fun, man. Uh, yeah, so I had a lot of fun too. It's part yeah. of the brand, you know, and yeah. I, I'll, I'm happy to come back on anytime oh, and I'll I, let anybody else know if they should, they should come on. I have a feeling you'll, I have a feeling the rest of my group uh, will be very interested and they're, they're, they're all great guys and we'll have some, some awesome content for you. So real quick, before we go, let everybody know where they can, uh, can reach you at. Yes, indeed. Hey, you got, y'all can find me on social media everywhere at Pope TV. You can find my work. Uh, ebony.com and also cw26chicago.com and uh hey thanks a lot for this opportunity it's been really fun uh, no, no, no. man it's, it's been a pleasure this has been a hurdle that we talked about earlier uh, a personal hurdle um i think it went well i feel good about it uh nothing the lights didn't flicker nothing turned off <laughs> dog didn't bark i can't tell you how much it means that my dog didn't bark um she tends to do that in the middle of some of my more important shows because that's, that's just what she does. So everybody, everybody listen, everybody watching, go check out uh, Brandon's work, everything he does. He's got a great Facebook page. Um, it's really great interviews on there. They're edited really well. They sound good. They're fun conversations, but they're not, they're not retreads. Uh, you're going to hear something different. He, he takes a lot of 
you know, a lot of care and pride in, in, in what he does and, and definitely go read his articles. Um, super good stuff there. Um, obviously I can't say enough good things, good things about him. Um, check out off the ball network.com and all the guys over there. Thank you for listening to Jeff needs sports. Uh, you're all awesome. And once again, Brandon, thank you so much. You're uh, you're, a, you're a true pro and a gentleman. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks a lot guys. Go Buckeyes. <laughs> Go Bucks.